I still, I, dude, I still remember Ed Friel with the with the shades on, shirt off, tan, glistening, throwing batting. Dude, he threw the most prime batting practice ever. You heard my man Pipke there. East Side Little League, unforgettable coaches, all-time great players, and legendary characters. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Memory Mission. We are a slice-of-life nostalgia podcast where my friends, family, and I capture some of our more memorable moments in the studio, and then I share them with you in engaging and fun audio stories that I'm confident you'll feel a connection to. A couple of months ago, I was looking at the reviews on Apple Podcasts, and somebody had written that Memory Mission is a slice-of-life nostalgia podcast. This whole time... I've been looking for just a few simple words to kind of capture the essence of our show. Slice of Life Nostalgia Podcast. Anyway, in the last episode, you heard a few reasons why the original East Side Little League on McKinley Avenue in South Bend, Indiana, meant so much to us. TJ Kosher, Nick Mangus, Brian Pipke, and my parents, Kim and Joel, shared a few lasting memories of that special place. When you think about it, In its simplest form, the original East Side Little League was just dirt, grass, some wood, some cement. But like any other physical location that we have fond memories of, it's not the dirt, it's not the grass that stand out in our minds. It's the people who created lasting memories on the dirt, on the grass. It's the people we share memories with in the cement dugouts and on the wood benches. And that's what this episode is about. Some of the people who are synonymous with the original Eastside Little League. If it weren't for the dedicated coaches who worked full-time at their jobs and then volunteered as a coach for hours on end, we wouldn't have these memories today. If it weren't for some of the legends at Eastside, we wouldn't have near as many of these dear memories. And that is what this episode is about. So sit back and chuckle as longtime friends T.J. Kosher, Nick Mangus, Brian Pipke, and I share some of our memories of some East Side Little League legends, as well as the heartbeat of any Little League, the volunteer coaches. Next, Pipke, Mangus, and I recount a few of the coaches who exemplified the classic 1980s baseball practice culture. I had uh, Bobby Beaver's dad for Eddie Stylist, uh, and I'll never forget dudes out there in uh, cut-off blue jean jorts, no oh, shirt course, on, dude. no shirt on, has a heater, <laughs> a Marlboro hanging from his lip, Absolutely. out there pitching, batting practice. Whoosh, there was whoosh, a couple of those those whoosh. those guys back then. Man. <laughs> I mean, there was a few of the coaches back then. I was at the you know different era too. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's late '80s, man. It's, I st- I, dude, I still remember Ed Friel. <laughs> With the, with the shades on, <laughs> shirt off, tan, glistening, throwing batting. Dude, he threw the most prime batting practice ever. I remember just like, just dude, frail every time, right down the middle of the plate. Like, boom, boom, boom. He's got that that mustache going, dude. He's glistening in the sun. That's like old why, school Magnum P.I. shit. Why wasn't he in the movies? Man, that he could have been. That dude was, that dude was something else. Ed Whose coach frail. was that? He was the, wasn't he uh, an assistant coach for uh, Racket Club? He helped out Racket Club. Oh, okay, yep. okay. He he was the <laughs> oh all the See, all the bombs. He was like ravishing Rick like... Rude of Eastside. 
Yeah, he was ravishing. <laughs> ravishing Rick Rude. But the hair wasn't this long. But, I mean, was, he know, like shave, was he like shaved chest and all back before it was even popular? Uh, I just remember he was super tan, dude. I think he, he might have like a little stubble going, but like. He looked, I mean, he, he like looked a, like a different race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he looked That's like. That's how he, much time he spent out there in, at the yes. ballpark shirtless, just. <laughs> just the bronze beauty. <laughs> oh, throwing, my God. Throwing <laughs> perfect batting practice. <laughs> Dedication at its best right there. Dedicated to the tan and dedicated to the game of baseball. Many of you know that the day-to-day grind can be grueling. You wake up early, you go to work, grind all day, get off work, come home, and all you want to do is relax. But many of us just can't say no, so we volunteer for things such as coaching our kids' teams so that relaxation often doesn't come. However, In the late 1980s, our coaches figured out a way how to strategically combine the grind of coaching with the ultimate goal of relaxation. Here is Pipke Mangus and I. And speaking of of the coaches, you know... It's that's a lot of work, man. I mean, you're volunteering. You're out there every night. I mean, my God, it's a ton of work. You're doing it every night. You got, you know, little kids you're putting up with. You work up a, a thirst. What? As as kids, we used to chuckle at at our coaches um, pounding uh, pitchers and pitchers. Barnabies. Beer at Barnabies. But Barnabies. now as grownups, That's right. you you can appreciate it, can't you? Absolutely. You you guys remember my coach, right? Muzzer? Coach, coach Muzzer, the, the of course. guzzler. Muzzer, Muzzer the guzzler. The guzzler. <laughs> of course. He was, he was always leading the charge. <laughs> oh, was it, was he, it always Barnaby's or, or were there other watering holes for those guys? I'm sure there were, but w- when we got to witness it, it was at Barnaby's. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. I mean, yeah, those that, guys would legendarily dude. pound beers, like pitcher <laughs> after pitcher after pitcher. And once again, it was a different era too. Like yep. after my games, I don't, I probably, you know, when I was coaching more, I couldn't go, go to the pizza establishment and just get, just hammered, you know, with the yeah. I mean, maybe one legendary time at the end of the year, but not <laughs> every era. Every single time. Way to go, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, they didn't get like black, but like no. there was a couple of times though where they hey, they were they would pound them back. I remember uh, who like is, to get loose. Who was uh gosh, it was after majors, it was more uh Shrems. Was it junior Shrems, dude? Yeah, he yeah, Shrems. He had some <laughs> I remember him uh what One time we were called? at Barnaby's drinking, and then he would senior he would leagues. Put senior the hat, leagues. Shrems put his hat to the side. He was taking a pitcher, <laughs> no glass, just pitcher straight to the head. <laughs> oh shit, that's Fun too stuff. funny. <laughs> yeah. Those pitchers of Budweisers were well deserved, though, because again, it is an absolute grind when you work full time and then coach in the evenings. But while it may be grueling to the grown-ups, it's worth it. Because they're providing lifelong gifts and memories to the players that they serve. Here is Pipke Mangus and I discussing how amazing it is that people care enough to dedicate that much time to something like Little League Baseball. The grass is nicer than my lawn, and this has children with cleats in it every single day tearing it up. And it's just, it's nicer, you know? Yeah. 
Unreal. I mean, that's cool. I mean, how much passion the volunteers have for taking care of the fields? How like that? much like, time, yeah. dude? Like, yeah, ridiculous. I coached, I coached a decent amount for like a four-year stretch. Right. And it was a ton, dude. Like, it literally wore me down a little bit. Like, yeah. just think, thinking about these lifers, holy smokes. You got to have a, an extreme passion for that. And then and then uh, the type of personality that can, you know, benefits uh, the, the kids and still allows you to not be super stressed out. Because they're working 40, 50-hour work. They have full-time jobs. Absolutely. Yeah, no question. Every dude, single it, one of them has full-time jobs and then does yeah. this on the side just because they love the game. They love and teaching kids. kids. Yep. Yep. Love the game. Love the kids. It's it's it probably is their release. It's 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 what they look forward to. Next, TJ and I discuss the exact same thing. How amazing it is that people care so much. And I look back now at those guys, you know, <laughs> like it's it's crazy. Like because I couldn't see myself. I mean, I just don't have that type of time. But they made time for you know every Saturday they're there all day. You know, it's like. And during the they week, they love baseball, you know. Baseball, Those guys love, love baseball. baseball, and that's they what it, it was. They couldn't get away from it. They nope. just love the game so much. And and they loved it so much that once their kids got older, they stayed. Yeah, and exactly. kept doing it. And they're still lifers like that at Eastside. Dude, Ray Schreiner doesn't coach anymore, but he runs the built the grounds. Yeah, he's like a GM. Like runs the grounds there. And it's still flawless at Eastside yeah, Pristine. Still. Nicer than my yard, and my yard doesn't even have kids playing in it. These places have kids in it yeah. with cleats. And the shit is still nice. That's unbelievable. If you've ever been to the current Eastside Little League, you'll know that one of the baseball fields is named Coker Field. Dave Coker is one of those Eastside legends. He coached TJ's team racket club, matter of fact. Next, you'll hear Pipke talk about Dave Coker, and even though he never played for Coker on racket club like TJ did, he did play for him on an Edison Middle School baseball team. And you'll hear Pipke describe why Dave Coker is an Eastside legend. Boy, Brian Pipke, how different would your life be if you would have been drafted by Racket Club and Dave Coker took you under his wing as a nine-year-old? I'll tell you what, I, I think you heard me say just a little bit ago, like Coker was probably my one of my one of, if not my favorite baseball coach of all time. Talk but back in back in majors, we didn't mess with Racket Club, you know what I mean? Like so uh-huh. I was never like he was always a super cordial, super nice guy, but they were our rivals. So like I never really thought of Coker in the super high standing until Afterwards, he started coaching me in like middle school. Okay, and then eventually, Coker even became our basketball coach for um, what year was that? Uh, That's right. I mean, eighth come grade on, Edison, dude. wasn't it? Eighth grade. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Eighth grade Edison. Yeah. Uh, Muzzer was the assistant coach. So these are all coaches we had at Eastside, dude. Baseball lifers, and they come over and coach us in basketball, and we're at, we like we run everybody. Like I'm like these dudes know how to know how to coach basketball too. <laughs> Coker was Coker, man. Just what a what a legend. You know what I mean? Like, gosh, so were many there, of them though. He just Coker just did certain like technical aspects, like when he coached you in middle school. Like, yeah, he was baseball. old school, dude. He was old school, but he wasn't like over the top old school. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you could still have like a friendly, pleasant relationship with him. You yeah. weren't afraid to make a mistake for him. He like he wanted you to still have fun. Like he yeah. he still recognized at the end of the day, this is still a game. Like uh-huh. he won. He was one of the legendary coaches. But he right. also like we had fun playing for him. We weren't like out there, like so afraid to make a mistake for him. Like, and that makes a huge difference. You play looser and, but he was still old school guy and demanded respect and demanded accountability and stuff like that. But he also knew we were kids playing the game. 
Anytime you see something like a field named after somebody, as a kid, you probably often don't think anything of it. Again, at the current Eastside Little League, one of the fields is named Coker Field, and it has literally hosted thousands of games every day of the week in the summer. And you have to wonder how many players and how many parents actually know who Dave Coker was. Next, TJ and I discuss an Eastside legend that wasn't a coach, but a player. And I would bet a ton of money that if you asked players, coaches, and parents, basically anybody associated with Eastside in that era, who the best player was, they would say one name. Next, TJ and I discuss that player. And speaking of that era, another name that if I asked who was the stud ball player in from the era, um, this dude, this dude's name would come up. So TJ, if I'm going to ask you, who do you think was the best player from our era? What name would come up? Probably Gibson Luga. I think so. I think uh, he was well developed kid. You know, I, I, he had puberty before <laughs> yeah, a lot of us did. Yes. So if you could visualize. Uh, Samoan dude mm-hmm. with a mustache at 11. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, not too much taller than I am now, but you yeah, know, he's not a tall guy <laughs> to say, but back then to us, he was bigger for right, sure. Right, right. And this kid was phenomenal. Uh-huh. He had a heater that I've never seen in my life before. Mm-hmm. Like I, it was like compared to everybody else, his, his athletic ability, just yeah. his gracefulness was unparalleled. I mean, nobody was on that level at Eastside Little League as, as far a 12-year-old, as 11-year-old. a 12-year-old. Great power hitter, great strong pitching arm. You know, he was good. Yeah. He was good. He, and I was on his team. I was on Eddie's stylist. So when I was 11, he was 12. And yeah. thank God I was on his team because I played second base. And I remember you talk about pitching. It probably wasn't safe. He threw it so hard and it's only 40 feet. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's coming quick. And Andy's a humble guy, real quiet, very nice yep, kid. He is. He's still and a cool dude. Still man. very, very nice man. Yep. Um, and he and I remember some of the home runs he'd hit oh, were yeah. absolute moonshots. Hit. He hit a car. He hit it over McKinley. Yeah. Like the the into dude, the woods into the there. woods across there. The dude was an absolute stud. Yeah. I mean, just absolute like you said, stud. he just looked the part yes. too, guys. Yes. It's not like some little kid. Man, this no. dude was huge. Like, just like I said, like mm-hmm. mustache having to, and he was wide. just killing it wide. Some yep. and just blow, 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 <laughs> just gunning it. The like pop of the mitt, like boom, boom, boom. The yeah. Fastballs was coming in, boy. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. TJ spoke the truth there. Not many other of us 11 and 12-year-olds were on that level, athletically or physically. Most of us were skinny-ass little dudes still wearing kid-sized cleats. And this dude is out here on a pitching mound that's only 46 feet out. This isn't like the older kids or the professionals where the pitcher's mound is 60 feet 6 inches. This is 46 feet. And he's rocking back and firing heat. I'm sure there were players who got the best of Gibson here and there, but for the most part, he simply dominated. And I am sure as hell glad that I was on his team. Regardless how dominating Gibson was on the field, seriously, he truly was and is just a very nice dude. Chill, laid back, kind-hearted. I had to ask my parents, Kim and Joel, the same question. 
Who stands out as the best player at Eastside? All right. Who would be the best player that you ever saw at Eastside Little League? Oh, well, that's pretty easy for me. Who's that? That would be Gibson Luga. I knew that's what I was and think say. and 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 I'm yeah. talking even in my childhood and possibly even onto your grandchildren. Have you seen any per, any any child? Nobody that performed like the Gibby? ball like that. Isn't that amazing? No. What yeah. comes to your mind when you think of Gibson out there? Um, he looked like he was 21 years old. He looked older, yeah. didn't yeah. he? Yeah. What, what? Everybody, everybody <laughs> no was saying, I want to see his birth certificate. <laughs> yeah. And I think two words. It might be a hyphenated word. Man child. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. man. He was yeah. a stud, though. He could yeah. launch it. You bet. Yeah. Yep. He could launch that ball. Next, Pipke Nick and I describe Gibson in about the same way. A man amongst boys. Dominating. That Didn't was... he stay the same height? Like, yeah. Oh, he, yeah, dude. He grew to his maximum height at yes. like age 12. Yes. And, and stayed there. It. I mean, guys, let's let's calm down a little bit, Mangus, because <laughs> I, 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 I might have stopped at like thirteen. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. He was like he was like a, a a strong kid. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. But he stopped height wise. He stopped growing. Um, but he was a man child, dude. When we played, yep. with Gibby had you that know? smooth, uh, you know, mustache. Uh, Mangus knows what's up the Lasalle mustache. The Lasalle Gibby crust had, ash. Gibby had that smooth mustache at eleven, dude. Like, he yeah, was, right. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like when it comes to like majors, like literally one of the best players ever, you know, like there's those certain legends. Like we always used to hear about Gary Watkins. I remember being real little and hearing about Gary Watkins at Eastside, like some of the okay. Eastside legends. Gibson is one of those. Like, yes, he's, he's an Eastside legend. Yes. Uh, you might actually say that about yourself, too. I know you won't because uh, I mean, you're a I was humble good. fellow, but I, I got I got to watch you uh, terrorize Burton's. Nick brought something up there. Pipke was good. Matter of fact, Gibson won MVP of the entire league his 12-year-old season when we were 11, and Pipke won the entire league MVP the next season when we were 12. Anyone who played at Eastside in the late 1980s will know exactly who we are talking about next. Here is Pipke Mangus and I. So here I am up at the plate, bases uh -huh. loaded. Aren't asphalt, aren't asphalt's finest. Yep. yep. Wearing the wearing the black jersey. Yep. And uh, Monty Emmons serves one up, and I I mashed it dead center center field. Uh -huh. The sucker's going out right. Yeah. Obviously, so you like, didn't mash I'm, it I'm hard get, enough. I'm getting into I'm getting into the home run <laughs> trot. Getting into the home run trot. Oh, back goes back goes Clark. Back goes Jason Clark to the wall. <laughs> to the wall reaches up. Makes the catch. Oh. Uh, I would you kill to hear the me. I would kill to hear the granddad Gene call on that. <laughs> so, oh, dude. So, so, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Mangus just set that ball for a ride, and I'll be darned if uh, Jason Clark didn't steal a grand slam. <laughs> <laughs> Had he hit that ball a little further to the right, it might have hit. The Burton's laundry sign. <laughs> Is that the bullseye sign? Which what was the bullseye sign? Where if you hit it, you got like ice cream. You guys remember yeah. that? I, yeah. I can't remember if it was Burton's or it was. It, it, was, it was right there, the sponsors. though. Center field. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a bullseye. It like hardly ever happened. But 
We're talking about the voice of Eastside Little League, the legendary Granddad Gene. Gene Barrow was the grandfather of some Eastside players, and I'm not sure how it all started, but by the time we were in the majors, he was in the clubhouse, literally announcing the game. Not quite play-by-play, but pretty damn close to it. Next, TJ and I talk about how awesome it was to have a granddad Gene and that indescribable feeling that he provided to us as he announced our names as we stepped up to the bat. When I think of Eastside Little League, there is one man who I guarantee you, if you ask anybody from that era, if I say the name Granddad Gene, everybody will have a quick quip, a quick story or something. Oh, yeah. Granddad Gene was was an elderly fellow who... Probably had grand. He had grandsons on the team, correct, or or what? Well, yeah, or, I'm sorry, I, grandkids up there. Yeah, I think at one moment, at he one did. point in time, yeah. But he stayed and just was the announcer. Yeah, and this guy's voice was golden. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll try to do an impersonation <laughs> right now because I have video of it, so yeah. I've heard it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and he always goes, "Now up to bat, <laughs> number yes. one." TJ Kosher. Yeah, now imagine him. that yeah. is like an 11 year old and you're Damn hearing right. this over the PA and you're like, man, yeah. they got my last name. Everybody knows it's me. You know what I mean? And that led, lent so much uh-huh. to the environment yeah. that it's irreplaceable. Can't replace you, it. It's that memory of just that guy's voice mm-hmm. just adds so much. Uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like it made Nostalgia. me feel stoic. Like yes. as I'm walking yes. up to the plate, you know, we didn't have no music like they mm-hmm. probably have now, nope. but we had that voice. And mm-hmm. every time you got up to bat, boom, he said your name. He would describe, you know, what happened in the play. Yeah. Moving to second, TJ Kosher, you know, uh-huh. like that. And it was just cool, man. It was. And it was that guy, man, deserves a lot of credit. He was there every night, every night. Week and then he he would let us go up there, remember? And we helped him. And he he like, all right tell me who number three is uh-huh. you know and just spot for him and uh-huh. he, he loved it man he'd sit up there smoking yep yep just chilling man oh, yeah, you, drinking yep. just chilling you'd dude. walk up there dude <laughs> he could cut the smoke with a knife he'd be yeah. up in there now remember listeners when i'm not talking smack at all it's just the yeah. way it was man we're talking mid 80s to, to 90s you just it was smoking was more prevalent so he's yeah. up there and that was his bag he probably looked forward to it hanging oh, yeah. out smoking his heaters yeah <sighs> Who's that out there? Who's number two? Yeah. Who's up next? And we'd spot for him, yeah. and he'd announce, man. Just... And he would say it professionally, though. Yes, he would. Like, yes. Like, professionals-level-sounding yes. announcer uh-huh. that we were blessed to have. Yeah, it was cool, man. It Way was cool. cool. Granddad Gene, man. Grand, rest in really peace, neat. Granddad Gene, man. You brought a lot of good memories to yes, us, bro. definitely. And I guarantee everybody I ask will have fond memories of Granddad Gene. Indeed. Um, just, and I think... I I feel his voice was like the glue. Yeah, the, I'd agree. The glue, indeed. Like it's like the UFC without Joe Rogan. It don't sound the same. No, Eastside will never be the same without Granddad Gene's no. voice. That Eastside on twenty right there during that era, it'll just never be the same for sure. No. Next, Pipke Mangus and I talk about how blessed we were and how rare it was to have a Granddad Gene. Nick, what pops in your head when you think of Granddad Gene? I guess now what pops in my head is the fact that we even had a Granddad Gene. Right. Somebody that was on the microphone for every single game that went on. Beautiful. That's unbelievable. I haven't I haven't heard or seen of any Little League uh, park that has that. 
No. Who's, he, was, he was basically the color commentator for all of the Eastside games. That's true. That's it. A he, color commentator. No, Granddad Gene was the voice of Eastside. I yeah. mean, like, you know, yeah. and what's crazy is if you think back to that time, like he had, you know, this, that super distinct voice. And right. I mean, and, and we all, you know, as kids, you, you know how mean kids can be. We all know how mean kids can be. Yeah. I don't really remember like having disparaging remarks about like the, the old grandpa, like up in the booth announcing our games because he was nope. very good at it. He had such a yep. passion for it. Yeah. But you know, you know how kids can be. Kids can be assholes, you know? Right. I mean? Right. And we, and we, and we were. I, all of and, us and, were. Oh, all of, of us. Of course, many times, but not towards Granddad Gene. I don't nope. remember. No, I think nope. I think it was like you said. He was so good at it and was beloved. Yeah. And uh, just getting to hear your name broadcast uh-huh. over the, you yes. know, over the loudspeaker when you went up to bat, it's like, I don't know. You just had a reverence for this guy. And yeah. uh, I, I just I I think it's amazing that we had that. Uh huh. Absolutely. You know, I, I just ha- have never heard of or seen any other place uh, that had a guy like that. And he would borderline, he wouldn't do play by play, but af- I mean, he would almost borderline announce play by play during the yeah. game over the loudspeaker. <laughs> like, not exactly, but you guys know what I mean. Like, it would, like, yeah. the ball would be just hitting the outfield. And he'd, I mean, it, he would start going, like, borderline, well, like, announcing like he was on drive. Yes. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a stand up double on this one. <laughs> yeah, he had that. He had that, that and, and then, you know, uh, what uh, will uh, why, why am I struggling with this? What's uh, your imitation of Granddad Gene right there had a, had a hint of Keith Jackson? In oh, there, Keith Jackson. Oh, no, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I have a hard time keeping those two separate. Yeah, no, because they kind of they mend they mend together think, so well. It's great. I think Granddad Gene had a little more. <laughs> Yes, it had a little bit of an ish, right? You had uh, that's closer. You that's closer. You touched in This is Granddad Gene here from yes. Eastside Little Beast. Gibson Logan on the mound again, everyone. And Nick Mangus is coming up to the plate, having struck out his first three times at bat. Can he make it a golden sombrero? Strike three. There it is, folks. Gibson Luga, the best Little League player ever to have played the game. (laughs) The Samoan Smasher, dude. The Samoan (laughs) Smasher. I thank you for listening to another episode of Memory Mission. I hope that it reminded you of your own Little League coach in the 1980s, pitching batting practice shirtless and cut-off jean shorts with a Marlboro hanging from his mouth. I also hope that it reminded you of the time you feared for your life, simply stepping up to the plate against the Little League legend. That's happened to everyone, right? If you like our show, please be sure to share with a friend and also like, follow, or subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to it on. While you're there, please leave a review. Also, follow us on Facebook, Memory Mission, Twitter, at Memory Mission, or Instagram, at Memory Mission. You can also email us at memorymission at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.